Bilang mga magulang, ginawa natin ang lahat na ating makakaya para mapanatiling ligtas ang ating mga anak. Patuloy nating panatiling ligtas sila sa pamamagitan ng pagbabakuna sa ating mga anak upang maprotektahan sila laban sa COVID-19. Ang mga pakuna ay napatunayang ligtas at epektibo para sa mga batang lima at pataas. Pakipag-usap sa doktor ng iyong anak o bisitahin ang myturn.ca.gov upang makahanap ng bakuna na malapit sa iyo. Hatid sa iyo ng California Department of Public Health. Trying to get better, trying to get ready for his Vegas vacation, Donovan James, <laughs> and my new boss, the new sheriff in town, the new Jeff, the better, more improved Jeff. That's right, Jeff. Suck it if you're listening to this. Jared Mueller, how you doing, boss? <laughs> you know, I'm doing good. Listen, I am. Jeff is one of the few people on, on uh, <laughs> sports Twitter that I'm actually younger than, uh, or that's actually <laughs> older than, that's actually older than me. Sorry. Like, everybody else, y'all are kids to me at some level. Like, I try to present a little younger and all that, but it ain't happening. So, Jeff's one of the few people that's actually older than me. Uh, so, hey, old man, thanks for retiring from Roundswire a little bit, at least from being the boss. Uh, but, no, it's good to be here. It's good to be on a, a team. Like, you know, I was on last night with Brad and Jeff, like, just jumping right in. And, uh, you know, oh, yeah. the Roundswire has done such a great job. And um, we're going to be doing this for, for listen, as long as we can do it. Let's go. That's right. We're excited to have you. I was listening to you, to you with the, obviously you were with the OBR for a while, so I'm, I'm very familiar with your work. I'm sure you're you're kind of familiar with. You've seen it on your timeline. I don't know if you've clicked on it, now you're forced <laughs> to, unfortunately. But <laughs> listen, Je- listen, Jeff's been my boy for. I, I say this about Jeff. He he and I know how each other snore. Like we we've been in the same hotel rooms in Indy. Uh, oh. We have shut we have shut down places in Indy. Uh, we have stories. Uh, we almost had a Senior Bowls trip this year that was going to be popping. So I've known Jeff for a while. So I, I always say support the people that support you. Like OBR, those are some great guys. Like I'm still going to be clicking on them. Browns Wire, Dog Pound Daily, uh, Dogs by Nature. Like the reality is, is I always want to support our people. Like the good people need supported. So absolutely, always clicking on the Browns Wire. Plus sometimes it was Listen, if I Google something Browns, I'm pretty confident Jeff's article was yeah. the first thing in Google. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I contributed my clicks, and I still will. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, you're pretty well-traveled, too, before OBR. You were the actually the first host of Locked on Browns. Is that correct? That's all right. Yeah, so, yeah, so mm-hmm. Locked on Browns uh, basically founded Factory of Sadness over at uh, Fansided, ran the Dog Pound Daily over there. Uh, ran King James Gospel uh, when the Cavs won the championship in 2016. Uh, then obviously over to the OBR and uh, did a little bit with uh, SI for a little while. Uh, so I have I have traveled the gamut uh, as a part of of I mean I freaking love sports like I'm a, there's a level of addiction here you know what I mean like we love this stuff we can talk about it for days and so uh, yeah it's been it's been a fun ride and listen I'll when I die I'll retire. Nice. <laughs> you know, it, I, I heard you talk. You briefly talked about basketball last time on Brad Ward's podcast. Which, which, by the way, if you have have you haven't watched or listened to all's eye, all eyes on Cleveland, please do that. Brad is the absolute best. 
Uh, he, he just got a fantastic setup. So professional, not like me where you can see the bathroom in the background, you know, he's got, he's got, he, he's got it going on. Uh, but I'm glad that, you know, you know a little bit about basketball too. I heard, I heard that. I don't know anything about basketball and Donovan is constantly talking about it on this show. Now we're going. Yeah. Constantly yeah. talking about it. I just can't, I can't connect. All right, Josh, so let's, <laughs> let me and Donovan have this quick conversation. I'm, Cavs. We, we good with the Cavs conversation, Donovan. Yeah. I can talk about that. Yeah. Cavs. Okay. So Colin Sexton. Yeah, I mean that's really the conversation right now, right? Colin Sexton, build around him. What what do you what do you got on it? Nah, man, can't build around him. Gotta get right. some. Yeah, Ooh, I, right. like Negati- I like negativity. him. I like him, but I don't think that's the guy to build a team around. Really, I think the Cavs would do better to build somebody around him in the draft coming up or make a trade for somebody else because he's not big. T- he's not like a De'Aaron Fox or like Ball, right. or like a big t- Zion, Luca type of guy. He's he's a tier down below. Gotcha. Me. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah so Cade Cunningham would be nice, but they screwed up oh, the, yeah. the draft lottery odds. So, Josh, the fun thing in the NBA, it doesn't matter how J- bad Jaylen you are. Jalen Suggs. Suggs is all right, yeah. Oh, I just yeah. think he, he's, a, he's a duplicate. The bad thing in the NBA, because they didn't want people tanking, it's, like, impossible now to know where you're going to draft. So the Cavs have had the worst record. They've drafted, like, third, fifth, sixth, whatever it is. So it doesn't matter. They have a 10% odds of drafting number five and they have the fifth worst record in the NBA. Like it's the dumbest stuff ever. Sorry. So thanks for coming onto the Browns wire. Everybody who's watching and listening. <laughs> at least you got LeBron. At least you got LeBron at number one, 2003. So that worked out pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. We finally got the one, we got the <laughs> yeah. one championship. And that's yeah. actually what I said last night on Brad's podcast about the Browns yeah. is as a guy who's covered the Cavs, it's really important. I really am going to be pounding and encouraging Cavs or Browns fans enjoy all of this like it's so easy to get wrapped up in championship 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 like they're freaking gonna win games like that's what matters like enjoy the games and hopefully along the way there's a championship there there's an afc championship all that like we've had too much bad football to to not enjoy winning football so uh, uh, you're gonna hear that from me probably all year long no i'm i'm with you now if you followed the arena football league that that Cleveland, hey Cleveland's got a chance. They were they had a championship pretty recently in arena football though. Okay, so I will I will say that. Which for the record, you'll get to know this about me. I watch more arena football, which has gone now indoor football and spring league football and Canadian football than any NBA, any other sport. I I, I just can't get into it. I can't get into. It. Maybe it's because I'm so short. I can't. You really don't even it. you don't even watch the Indians, do you? Mm-mm. Or the uh, Columbus. Uh... I go to the game. I'll go to the games if I get to take if I get the tickets for free or for cheap. I'll go the to the Indi- games. Indians. I just, are, I Indi- follow, Indians, are, Indians are fun to watch this year. I'm not a big like, I'm not Indians guy or anything, but they, they've been a fun team to kind of follow this year. A bit. What can Yeah, it's interesting because as I think as people get older, which you guys aren't, but I am. Like the reality is, is that the lack of continuity of schedule makes it really hard to really get into. Whereas for the Browns, I mean, for so many years, it was Sunday at one o'clock and they sucked, right? Like oh, yeah. I knew when I could watch a game, I, there was only 16 of them. Now there's 17, like the Cavs and the Indians. I, I grew up on baseball. Like I, like my oh, mom really? went to the Indians for years. Like that was my first love. Football was kind of a backdrop for us. Uh, we were, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So Football games were far more expensive to go to oh, yeah. than than baseball games. So we could get to baseball games. We couldn't get to football games. We just couldn't afford it. Browns are always sold out, all that stuff. So I grew up with uh, in love with baseball. But as you get older, that's a lot of freaking games. You mm-hmm. don't know when they're on. All of a sudden, it's like 1 o'clock and a game is on. They're playing the Yankees. And I'm like, I'm at work, y'all. Like, it doesn't work for me. So I really like the continuity of a schedule. If I knew when the Cavs played every Monday, Wednesday, Friday – 
I think I would be able to watch more, you know, all that kind of stuff. So as you get older, you kind of have to kind of narrow in on things that are important to you. You know, and it's funny you talk about the tickets thing because, uh, you know, my I, I was talking to Donovan when the Ohio State spring game rolled around and people were gathering up all the tickets and reselling them. You know, those tickets were 10 bucks, 5 bucks back in the day. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, they were free. You'd go get your autograph, you know, and sit there and the, the nosebleeds and all that. Those were the only, only Ohio State games I used to go to when I was a kid for the very same reason. Now you got all these people just hoarding all the tickets and then reselling them online for 100 bucks. It's, it's a damn shame. So I, de- I definitely know what you mean. I, you know, I, I, I follow you there um yeah if you if you want we can we were going to talk about the nfl draft a little bit but i like the i kind of like the alley. a little bit <laughs> well i, I kind of like the alley we're going you know we're talking about your or it's your origin story this is that's your true. origin story episode is this so marvel what, is this marvel let's go with marvel <laughs> that's right so what so what was the first memory of you being like oh i love the browns this is my team you know for me it was um god the first memory you know, I, I remember players more than memories from my childhood. So I remember Fair. Brian Brennan because he looked like me. Like, why well, didn't really look like me? But Brian Brennan looked like me. I was like, oh, dude, like, is that is is like I can do that? Like that kind of thing. And so I just remember Brennan, Webster Slaughter, some of those guys. Like for me, it was never really the events. It was always the players. I was always drawn to, you know, people and. Obviously, I'm, I'm a counselor by trade now. I was always drawn to the people. I was always drawn to their personalities and those kind of things. And so seeing Brian Brennan now looking back, I'm like, oh, he was kind of a slot receiver. And he was, you know, he's going over the middle and he's kind of that jukey guy, uh, you know, Eric Metcalf. Uh, actually, Ice Cube McNeil, uh, little dude, punt returner. That was my dude. Like, I loved how fast he was. Like, there's just all of those. It was always the players and it was almost always an offensive little dude i yeah, guess uh that was that was kind of who i could relate to a little bit i couldn't relate to ozzy newsome i couldn't relate to michael dean perry though i ate that really unhealthy burger they had at mcdonald's the whatever they called that thing like i remember being excited about that bad boy um my arteries are telling me about it even still uh, but yeah really for me it was it was a lot of the players that really stand out as i think back um and and really blame my brother he taught me my brother's five years older than me he taught me to read using sports cards. Um, oh, I mean, he would hit me with he would hit me with Lincoln logs if I got it wrong. Um, the dude had me memorizing like Joe Carter and Webster Slaughter, Ozzy Newsom, whoever, like memorizing their freaking stats and stuff. And then if if I got it wrong, if I was close, it was one of those little Lincoln logs. Every once in a while, the the big boy came flying at me, and so you know you you learn. <laughs> that's that's funny. Uh, yeah, you know. You, one player you didn't mention, though, that kind of fits that same role, Dino Hall, another small little special teams kind of guy. I am not placing him, actually. That's interesting. Well, I think that maybe – I'll have to go back and Google it then. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he wasn't in that same era. I thought he was. But uh, when the – so you've been writing for a while. Obviously, you're, you're very familiar with, familiar with the Browns and doing the draft stuff and the draft coverage. Is there a re- is there a draft that sticks out in your mind? Or maybe when you first started writing, uh, something that sticks out in your mind, like a, a prospect that you absolutely fell in love with? Or maybe a free agent that the Browns signed and you're like, this guy's going to be a star, and he busted out, you know. I guess Andre Risen level. Uh, well, yeah, Bad Moon Risen was huge. Right? Like that was <laughs> that was when you knew. And then you know, I learned a little bit more about TLC and Left Eye burning his house down. You know, all all that later down the road. Unfortunately for me, the draft that really stands out is actually the Johnny Manziel draft because I was really in New York. I was in New York for it. Um, so I'm in New York. I'm in Radio City Music Hall. The first time I'm ever there for it. People are going crazy. I'm pissed. I'm like this 
they drafted this idiot, right? And well, then, wait, wait. when were when were you were you pissed at that pick or the Justin Gilbert pick? I was actually pissed at the, <laughs> the so the Justin Gilbert pick was I was not there yet in in my um, kind of what I was looking at in a player, so I was a little too focused on on skill, size, speed, all that stuff. Um, and that's actually kind of my thought on Greg Newsom. He he has a lot of good measurables, but he knows how to freaking play the position. And he and Gilbert is actually kind of a guy who really transitioned some things for me. Where I stopped looking at the physical traits first, I started looking at the nuances first. Mm. Can you play the game? Can you flip your hips in the cornerback specifically? Can you? How do you use your hands? How do you get your eyes around? Started looking at nuance first, then looked at the the traits. Um, so Gilbert was a guy who was like, yeah, he's big, he's strong, he's fast, like he's so an fast. athlete. They'll figure the rest of the crap out. Yep. But Manziel pissed me off. And then, and many people forget kind of this connection. I'm walking to day two of the draft because it's New York and you walk everywhere, go on the subway. And I forget how I was listening to the radio or whatever, because I have no idea what technology was around right back then or what I had. But all of a sudden, so they have Josh Gordon on ESPN that morning, Johnny Manziel, Justin Gilbert draft. Josh Gordon is on Mike and Mike in the morning. I'm walking, and all of a sudden I get Josh Gordon suspended. That happened on day two of the Johnny Manziel draft. So he's wow. literally on Mike and Mike in the morning that morning, and we're everybody's like, yeah, it's going to be great. They got everybody. <laughs> Gordon's pumped. He literally got suspended four hours or so before the start of day two of the draft. So some of those kind of things, that, that's why that draft stands out to me, is everybody thought this was somehow a turn-the-corner kind of draft. And then just to kind of have this very Cleveland thing happen where he's on Mike and Mike at 7 a.m. and he's suspended by four. Like it's, it was just one of those kind of things for me. <laughs> you have to admit though, with the, the Manziel thing, everybody gets all fired up about the Manziel pick. And, and uh, rightfully so, I like, I like Teddy, full transparency, I like Teddy Bridgewater more. I saw Teddy Bridgewater in person, I thought he was a much smoother of a player. Which obviously, you know, we're splitting hairs because it's not like he's lighting up in the NFL up either. But, Manziel, at least going into that draft, it was a very, I don't know, kind of like Justin Fields, like, or Aaron Rodgers kind of deal where they're like, is he going to go top five? Is he going to fall? Right. What's going on? But the Brandon Whedon draft, when they took Brandon Whedon, it was like, what is going on? Because, I mean, that was the no more Oklahoma thing. State players. <laughs> well, yeah. well, even even Justin Gilbert, though, Justin Gilbert, you're right. I remember Justin Gilbert specifically. I remember like the, the, those magazines that came out. One scouting report said, worst case scenario, he was an all pro punt returner. Because he was so he was so fast, but he like Brandon him. Whedon, I mean, in every mock draft you saw, it was like second or third round. I mean, the dude was thirty years old. So it was you know, what I mean, like that was people. People don't talk about everybody talks about Manziel being the big the big bust, but I God, I just feel like Whedon was so much worse of a pick. Does that make sense? It does. But what's and then you even look at that. That's the same. That's the Trent Richardson draft. They gave up yep. a freaking a fourth, a fifth, and a seventh to move up one spot. Yep. Like. Are you out of your freaking mind? That goes back to that Kellen Winslow trade-up. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Cameron Wimbley, uh, Haloti Nada trade-down switch. Like, there have been so many dumb one-pick trades that the Browns have been on the wrong side of for so many years. Yeah, but Brandon Whedon's old. He fl- he failed out of baseball. Like, it just was another time where you just have people kind of throwing darts against the wall, just doing whatever. Like, oh, we need this guy. Was that Shermer and Holmgren? Like, that's off the yep. top of my head. I it was no definitely Holmgren. It was definitely Holmgren. Yeah, like, oh, we have to have a quarterback. And, I mean, it's just 
it just speaks to like I talk about my childhood history and I talk about you know Brian Brennan and Webster Slaughter, Ozzy Newsom, all those guys. Think about the people I don't know your guys' age, but think about those 20-some year olds and their childhood is that. Like their childhood yeah. is him getting stuck under the freaking United States flag. For, for, <laughs> that's a good point. Well, for, for just so you know, I'm 30 years old. I grew up the two guys above me. That's what I grew up with: Brady Quinn, Charlie Fry, baby. Yeah, I'm Popped 30. Their jerseys so. and everything. I'm, dude, I'm gonna say, mate. I'm gonna say, mate, is Josh. So, yeah, so, yeah. You got you got muscle guy, and you got the <laughs> wait, Josh. Were you born in you were born in '90, Josh. Yeah, dude. Okay, when's your birthday? If I might, if you don't mind asking. August. You gonna buy me something? Mine's September. Damn, dude. We're you like just had a moment there. Just Listen, you guys got to go to training camp together and and share Wait. in that. I'm actually going. I'm going to Cleveland for the first time. Uh, I just got the schedule release. I got to like you know look at work and all that stuff. Day job. I'm 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 making the trip. Uh, you finally. know where you know the trip you should make, right? You know the craziest part of the schedule that we didn't talk about last night. I want to go to the Arizona game because uh, yeah, that'll be exciting. Yeah, the day after my birthday, I just want to meet Coach Hanson. <laughs> Which <Sorry>. one? <laughs> My coworkers, oh, Cliff, Cliff. <laughs> my coworkers call Stefanski Coach Ten because they th- they think he's really attractive. Oh, really? I mean, yeah, <laughs> they call him Coach Ten. Dude, hey, Cl- Cliff, man, I mean that's that's a good looking dude. Good-looking um, dude. So the day you got to go. <laughs> Halloween, Halloween week eight Steelers at home. Are you freaking kidding me? How nuts a, that will be! It's gonna be a like tough it'll ticket, put man. OU. Oh, it'll be a tough ticket. Yeah. it'll put OU. Like OU will look like. Nothing compared to what the heck that's going to be. Yeah, that's going to be crazy. That's going to be crazy. You guys, you guys, we all got to meet up, man. If I go, like whatever game I go. Hey, it's the day after my birthday, so my wife is in charge. Uh, <laughs> listen, uh, fifteen Josh? years, seventeen years together, whatever the heck we are. Uh, whatever so let, she says goes. Josh might be married by then. I don't know. Maybe we. I, I have been engaged for two years now. Yeah, no. <laughs> so let's let's go to the other end of the spectrum. Uh, what is the draft that you remember like, that stuck out that you're like, oh, this? So you talk about how you hated Manziel, you hated Justin Gilbert. What's the guy where you're like, this guy's gonna be great, and he still sucked? Ooh, he's gonna be great, and he still sucked. You know, I don't get those wrong. Um, so I'm not sure. <laughs> like, you know. You, even with Trent Richardson, you knew Trent Richardson was going to. No, start. actually, I thought I thought Danny Shelton was going to be good. I thought, yeah, um, I thought he had enough explosiveness. I thought he had enough hand uh, technique. And to be honest, it's an optimist in me. So that draft again, we can talk about two picks again. Uh, Cameron Irving, I'm like, okay, he's got to be good at something. Like he can play all five position at Florida State. You know, high level um, too. I mean, we're talking yeah, about at a high level, like. He's got to be good at something. Like, I didn't yeah. think he was going to be a tackle. I just didn't think it worked for him. But I'm like, yeah. he's got to be a good guard. Like, if you're athletic, you can freaking play guard. And all of a sudden, it's, you know, instead you get a nose tackle and a sixth man in the first round. So um, I was really confident in those two. I didn't think it was – I thought it was a meat and potatoes draft. I was like, all right, great. Because for me, like, the skill positions are fun. I will tell you, I get really excited about free safeties. Like – I can go across the board like the Buddha Bakers. Uh, last year it was Jeremy Chin. I liked Grant Delpit. Like I get so excited about free safeties, and I've been begging the Browns to draft the free safety for like a decade. So I'm really hoping Grant Delpit can be it. I love John Johnson the third. I'm not sure he's a pure kind of free safety. I love Derwin James. Um, I love free safety. So 
I've always been in on those, and I haven't missed on a free safety. Uh, there are a lot that I that I've really really liked. Um, so like Winfield last year was another example. Uh, but yeah, that that meat and potatoes draft. I'm like, great lines, 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 lines. Figure the rest of the crap out. There's no quarterback. Um, I thought they were going to try to move up for Marcus Mariota that year, uh, which obviously, looking back, seems like they lucked out. I I don't know. Either way, it would have been terrible. They would have given up a ton to get up to get yeah. Mariota too. Yeah. But he would have been hurt um, earlier. Yeah. So that was those are my two that I I just thought these got to be good. They may not like be game changers, but I I swore there's no way they're not going to be good players for the Browns mm-hmm. for a next for the next decade. Yeah, I, I, you know, I remember having those guys really high on my board too. You know, Cam Irving, the same thing. He even played center at Florida State. I mean, he played. You know, what I mean, so it was like everything. He, and he was a high level starter at an ACC school at all five positions. So it's like that means he's got to be average at least, at least, at, and at Something. least one position. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're and then Danny Shelton was so good. He was a dominant. Mean, you know, we were talking about a guy who took th- triple teams constantly. He was so good that the other guy. If the other defensive tackle, or I can't remember who it was. He's in the spring. I think he's in the spring league now. But he had like double digit sacks in the Pac-12 and was drafted in like the third. He was, um, I think he was he was supposed to be drafted in like the third round. I think the Eagles picked him up. Elijah, I can't I can't remember. But that's how good Danny Shell was. That guy was out. The other he guy was out. Like, all right. Like a year. Yeah, he, everything. And he was fantastic. So I thought the worst case scenario, if he sucks, he's going to be so big, he's going to be an immovable object. And that wasn't really the case either. Very no. strange how that works out. And that goes back to understanding kind of getting more and more knowledge of how people win in the NFL, right? So Danny Shelton wanted to be – and Larry Ogunjobi had some of this too. He wanted to be a three technique. Uh, He wanted to be a penetrator, He, you know, and and instead he needed to eat up blocks. And so you're not – and it's actually – I, you know, we have your piece, Josh, up on uh, Tommy T. You know, it's actually my concern with him is I don't know if he's fast enough to be play three and I don't know if he's big enough to be a one tech. Right. Like there's this weird tweener thing, but you have yep. to know what you're good at. You have to play the way you need to play. And Danny Shelton wanted to to fire off and split the gaps and they just washed him out of plays. He didn't want to kind of get down in his haunches and and take on blocks. And so I actually did a piece on the OBR. You guys can find it at the my old site. But uh, just kind of looking back at the difference between Danny Shelton and Vita Vea. There's there's a lot of similarities, and then you look at some of the numbers, some of the explosive things. So looking at either their Roz, uh, their relative athletic score and stuff, it's like wait, they seem like similar players. Yeah, and then there's just little areas you're like, oh, that's the difference between a Jag, just a guy, and a guy who can actually make a difference. And so again, it's always learning. You know, you always got to figure out what what you need to learn. What you, you know, what you're what you get sucked into, yeah, you know, what you get excited about that you probably shouldn't. Yeah, you know, and Danny Shelton's a really interesting case too because I th- it, we, we always have Bill Carroll on it. I'm sure you're familiar with Bill Carroll. He always yeah. says situation is everything. And, and the, I first heard that from him probably five, six years ago, and that's really stuck with me because it really is. And Danny Shelton seems like a really good example of that because his rookie year, there were a lot of flashes of him doing really well, him having great – at the very least, he had great leverage and wasn't getting moved. And then as years went on, it was like, dude, this guy – it felt like once someone got their hands on it, it was he was just it was game over, and it's just it felt like he was just ready to give up. And you know, I don't know if I'm not saying he would have been all pro player, but you know, that does play a role when a player is just like, hey, I'm not I'm not getting anywhere with this, and we suck. 
I'm done. So a lot of times you'll see good players just not thrive. It's a more obvious, I think, with the skill position guys, you know, with the talent around them. You know, obviously as a Browns fan, you see that there's no way in hell that all 20 quarterbacks we've drafted the top two rounds have sucked as bad. No, it's just it's impossible. But the situation is everything. I mean, I always say, uh, you know, if the Browns had drafted Tom Brady and, instead of Spurgeon Wynn, um, my buddy Stephen Thomas, the comedian out in California, would have married Giselle, um, <laughs> and no one would have had a clue who Tom Brady was. Like, that's 100%. just the reality of it, right? And so you can also think of that now. Like, think of Wyatt Teller. Before Bill Callahan, I mean, he last year he was the best guard, according to PFF, most of the year. Like, mm-hmm. Wyatt Teller may have made $30 million because he was at the on the Browns, Kevin Savansky, Bill Callahan. Like he's talented, yeah. but he's not that he wasn't that talented, right? So, you know, it's all, you know, all of that stuff matters. And so many times people are like, oh, they're a bust, they're this, they're that. Listen, give Deshaun Kaiser Josh Allen's playbook from his rookie year. So instead of throwing the ball 40 times, he's running 10 times a game. And yeah. he has easy options, half fields, half reads, all of that kind of stuff. Let him slowly develop. Instead, you know, Hugh Jackson has him throwing the ball 46 times a game. Yeah. Like, yeah. all that stuff really matters. Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny talking to Sean Kaiser because I'm such a de- – not anymore. I've come to realize that Deshaun Kaiser – Wait, are you a Notre Dame guy? No, not at all. Not oh, at all. Okay. No, I write for Buckeyes Wire. You know that. You I, know I that. did know that, but I just wanted to make sure. Listen, we can uh, – sometimes yeah, you Notre Dame guy business. We wow. did. We did have a dick last week. Sports uh, Illustrated. Yeah. But uh, the, the, the show Kaiser thing, I was, I, I have slowly come to realize that it, no, it didn't matter where that guy played. He didn't want Donovan actually has a better, has a, a fairly close relationship and people that know Deshaun Kaiser, his <laughs> attitude, he just wasn't going to hang in the NFL. With that said, you know, again, like you, like you said, this is a guy that was thrown to the wolves. The day they drafted him, Hugh Jackson came out and said, this is a guy that's not going to be ready. We got to give him time, but he's got all the talent. Boom, day one, he's out there. It's like, what are you doing? What's going on? How you know? And it just it just destroys any goodwill that you could possibly have. And it's absolutely, um, it's absolutely crazy. This, yeah, I need to hear this story. I need to hear something out of Donovan on this story, and then make sure I tell a Hugh Jackson story that I'm not sure has ever been out there yet. So might as well <laughs> drop one in here. But so tell me about uh, Deshaun Kaiser there, Donovan. I mean, I just my my uh, cousin played college football at Cal Berkeley. Um, He's like my little brother because I don't have a brother, but he played at Kyle Berkeley. He's really good friends with Deshaun Kaiser and that that crew. And uh, Deshaun's actually in Tennessee now, which is where I am. So I might see him at a party in Tennessee. Is all I can say. Like that's a good. I don't want to say. But I, hear that, you. I mean, yeah. No, you, listen, only, you gotta, yeah. <laughs> yeah, listen, you got to do what he you like, got to do, mean, right? He, he likes to have fun, man. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, I but he's still he's still he's still hanging around the NFL because I mean he's young. He's like where he's, where's he at? Tennessee signed he's a practice squad. He's yeah. he's on the practice squad there. What is he? Twenty six. I mean, yeah, he's, yeah. He's only tw- he's twenty five. Think how long ago Hugh Jackson he's and Deshaun Kaiser seems like. You know what I mean? Like, I know. Well, he know. he was tw- he was twenty when he got drafted. Yeah, because this so. is his fourth team already. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. So yeah, I mean, I I my I hate Ben Roethlisberger from time in Miami when I was down partying in Miami when I was in college. So. Oh, I just gave away my age a little bit there. Um, so I think I was just about to graduate when Ben was like a junior, sophomore, junior in, at Miami. Really? Yeah, and he was exactly all the stories you may have ever heard or rumors, and he was absolutely that. Every bit of it, all the way back to Finley High School, he was every bit of that. So really? He was a douchebag in high school too? Oh, 
Oh, absolutely. Oh, my. He, because I thought that – because he didn't play till the senior year, right, in high school? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were some, there were some coaching things and some family and some yes. – I mean, just a whole bunch of, of, of baloney in there. But, yeah, he was a arrogant little douche from – Jump Street. So, <laughs> uh, so real quick, Hugh Jackson story, just because it's fun. Uh, at one point in time, Hugh Jackson, there was a press conference. It might have been the Todd Haley press conference. Todd Haley oh, press geez. conference ran like half hour hour late. And the reason it ran a half hour hour late is Hugh Jackson brought all the uh, media in and showed a, had film cut up about how bad his players were. <laughs> like for Jeez. real, like was like. All right, well, look, how am I supposed to succeed with this? Now, look at this. Do you see he's not getting any separation? Do you see this? Do you see this? Do you see what I got to work with? Are you outside your mind, dude? Like, it was literally, I, th- I remember, like, Haley was about a half hour late because Hugh Jackson wanted the media to know how bad his players were so that the media would give him sympathy. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever secondarily heard and experienced and seen enough proof to know that I can say this out loud. That's wild. Can we let's talk yeah. about that a little bit. When he got hired, he was a hot shot off the corner from Cincinnati. And I remember when he got hired, I was still work I was working with Jeff and both of us liked the hire. 100 yeah. percent in on it. I think this is my theory. I think that he is a good coach and he's got a good offensive mind. He just is not a people person. And he can't handle pressure, and he panics and plays the blame game. Does that make sense? I feel like it's just – I feel like he's not a bad coach. He's just a really bad head coach. Does that make sense? Or is that – am I completely off base? No, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I was really excited for him. I thought he yeah. – you know, I thought he, I thought he made sense. I really like the staff that he brought in. I like people with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Um, and I felt like he brought in a bunch of people who – weren't given the the chances they deserved. I, I thought they brought he brought in people that, you know, all of that. But I think you go to fit, right? Like, he knew when he got in there, like, him and Sashi had different goals. Like, it was very clear. They talked about it like it was not. But you could see it and be like, yeah, we don't have to win. But he'd be like, remember that, Jimmy. Like, don't fire me because we're not trying to win games up in here. Um, so I had a lot of – yeah. So I think the reality is everybody needs to know if they're good at something, right? Like – you just because you're a good number two doesn't mean you're a good number one, right? Like, I I might be a really good counselor, but I may not be a good administrator. Now I think I'm good at both, thank goodness, because uh, <laughs> I've been one for a long time. But just because you're a good number two, just because you're a great defensive coordinator, literally the skills you need to be a head coach are not the same at yes. almost every level. They are literally different skills. Because you're going to install an offense does not mean you're a good head coach. It doesn't yeah. or defense. Yeah. Like, yeah. they're literally different skills, and that's what drives me nuts about the NFL is, and I think the Browns are the uh, are an interesting case study. They wanted to hire Kevin Stefanski. He had four games as offensive coordinator. Because it didn't matter that he was an offensive coordinator. Is he a leader? Now, obviously, they waited another year, or they had to wait another year because Dorsey wouldn't hire him. But the reality is, is those are two different skill sets. So I don't care if an offense is good or a defense is good. Like, how do you find real leaders? Because that's what you need as a head coach. And it's it's such a it's such a hard thing to determine. And there's still again, kind of like what you were talking about earlier with all the factors in the situation. You know, I was speaking to a buddy when Urban Meyer got hired, uh, and he was we're going to have him on the show here eventually. But he was on Urban Meyer staff in college. I'm sorry, He's, you're going to have Urban Meyer on the show? No, 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 no. 
Well, yeah. All right. Well, I'm up there to see you. <laughs> a, a friend of mine, Ryan Stewart, he might be listening right now. He was on Urban Meyer's staff a couple years ago, and we were talking about the chances of him succeeding in Jacksonville. And he said, here's the deal. If he gets good people around him, he'll succeed. If he doesn't, he won't. And I'm like, well, that's like a cop-out. But he's like, that's just the facts because he doesn't know how to coach in the NFL. I'm telling you that right now. But he is a good people person. The reason why Nick Saban sucked in the NFL was because he was a terrible people person. He was talking to these grown-ass men like they were kids. And you could hear a story. I I know Shane Crowder has talked about how how, uh, Jason Taylor said – what do you, I can't remember the exact quote, but basically told Nick Saban, "You better not be talking to me. I make fifty million dollars. You know, I make I make I have fifty million dollars in the bank. You know what I mean?" Right. And he said, "Herb Meyer's not going to do that because he's a good human being, but he's not going to be. He's not going to have. He's got to have the people that know, know how to coach in the NFL." So I thought that was very interesting, kind of like what we're, very similar to what we're talking about with Hugh Jackson on a different level, I suppose. If that makes right, sense. and obviously the free agency, his statement that free agency is a sign that it's not exactly going yeah. right. Like, I didn't get to meet with these guys and have dinner and meet their parents, and uh, yeah. like yeah. that's a little bit of a concern. By the way, Donovan, I'm really impressed, man. My, after my second shot, I, my head would have been on the table 31 and a half minutes into this bad boy. So I just want to let you know, like, stamina like my dude you're 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 doing it I was, <laughs> I was done with my second shot yeah I mean, donovan. I'm, I'm burning up <laughs> it's hot donovan you, hey, you got, you're wearing a hoodie out. bro sweat it out well it's weird because if i take it off and be cold i have like the chills man it's yeah, like buddy. yeah it's it's a weird yeah, thing there's no right temperature like, yeah i don't really know what to do yeah like there's no fan on but if i turn the fan on it's gonna be too cold be too hot yeah so it's just like i'm just gonna listen to Y'all talk about football. I hey, talk about football with you guys. Like, hey, listen. Here's the reality. I'm gonna say this. I work in a medical facility. I'm just. I'm gonna use this time for half a second. Please get your shot if you're able to. I really would like you guys to do that. It's really good for you, despite what Donovan's going through and what I went through. Uh, it is good for you. Uh, <laughs> it was miserable for about 48 hours, and I'm a big old wuss. Uh, just want uh, listen. That's just my PSA. Worst case scenario, so you can get in on the one million dollar drawings. Exactly. And get get that paper. And if you get your shot, because I said this, I can I get can I get a stack? Can I get something out of it? Like whatever. Like can I can I can you get me tickets to that that steel Steelers game on the thirty? I don't. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Donovan, do you, are you know are you aware of this? Because Donovan's not in Ohio. Donovan's in Tennessee. Oh yeah, he's down in Tennessee. Have you heard they, about it? I've heard about it. Yeah, West Virginia's oh, yeah. giving out money, and there's like oh they Tennessee are. Group. Yeah, West Virginia. Because uh, your boy that was on last week was talking about it. Um, I can't. What was his name? Nate. Nate was talking Nate. about it. Nate. Yeah, he was talking about it. I guess he's got family in West Virginia or something. He was talking about it. That's he's all, he, he added me on Facebook too, by the way. I like. He's cool, man. I like that guy. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's also where I always like. Josh made fun of me one episode because he was like, "How do you know so much about Jeff Riston's like family?" And I was like, "Because of Facebook." It, he posts a lot about his kids like all the time. Well, his freaking son's a giant. Yeah, and his daughter's t- pretty. I mean, she's tall too. Yeah. Well, Jeff's I mean, six six, dude. Yeah. If you hear Jeff stories about volleyball, you're like, oh, you're, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're the. I mean, and if he ever gets you into the uh, Korean Korean throat singing, uh, the the group, I think it's called the U, the YU. They're up in these mountains. The stuff is like you're at first you're like this is really weird and stuff, but it actually kind of bangs like. Oh, <laughs> 
like at first I was like, I didn't, I don't know what they're saying, but it, it's got a beat to it. So yeah, oh, Jeff's, Jeff's, Jeff's music taste is great, man. We I went to a slip, hardcore. Stuff, I went to a Slipknot concert, and he was like, "Yeah, dude, like, I know." I it was it was like the heaviest concert I've ever been to. It's crazy. I went for sli- Slipknot is not heavy for Jeff. That's I right. know. That's a, I know. For me, Jeff, that's so when Jeff goes to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. No oh, shit. I was like giving him a hard time and just making fun. I'm like, oh yeah, he he loves hardcore stuff. Like you know, Creed and Nickelback. Love oh real, real hardcore. So tired of that joke. <laughs> I know, right? He loves that hardcore band. What's it called? Hinder. Lips of an angel, baby. Lips of an angel. <laughs> hey, hey, that song goes deep with me. I make fun of it, but I I think I. I I got my first uh, went to second base to that song. Yeah, I was gonna say what you were making out with a girl while your girl was in the oh, yeah, other dude. room. Like you probably listen like... to Bug Cherry too, Josh. Hey, oh, hey dude, that was a part. banger, that, bro. Dude, come on, all lit up again. Like right before you go out to the. Wow, this was college for me. So right before we went out and got. <laughs> I mean that, or I love the cocaine. I love the co- puddle oh, of mud was big. Back Johnny Manziel, man. But, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's his theme song, right? No, that's funny. So, what do you guys think about the draft? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. We can let's go. Well, Donovan, I feel like I'm I'm soaking up uh, all this time. Donovan, do you have any questions or anything you want to add before we start diving into the draft stuff? No, I like Jared, man. He's cool. Dude. He's cool. I like him. That's all I can say. All right. all right. I got a lot of concerns about both of you. If you think Jared's cool, we're going to have to, like, revert. We got to figure something out because that uh, – listen, it is what it is. <laughs> we, did, we decided to have different type of people on this show. We've had a lot of different type of people, I feel like, since I've been on uh, October is when I started with you, Josh, I think. so. Oh, yeah, man. We're, we're coming well, up on different is Different is the right term. Like, I'm cool with that. Like – uh, I'll just be real honest. My my friends, and especially in college, are like you're the. So my family is all West Virginian. Like I haven't, I had an uncle Golden and an aunt Mabel, and I have gone to the bathroom in an outhouse. But my brother was really good at sports, uh, and so we played in the city. Uh, and mm. so there are so like even at Wright State, there were two gyms that we would play ball at, and one. I didn't fit into, but I went to, and the other I fit, I would have fit into, but I never liked playing there because they played this wussy style of basketball. Like I have this unique little, like got a little country, got a little city and it all just kind of comes together and says whatever this package is. You still, you still hoop? Uh, Yes. As often as I can. I want to see Josh. I want to see Josh play basketball. So bad, dude. So bad. I played middle (laughs) school, bro. It was so bad. That's how I want to see it. So, so I'm short, man. I suck. I'm short. Hey, we'll go young, old. Me and Risden. Oh God. And you two. That's not gonna. Because be listen, Risden and I would. I guarantee this. We haven't played together, but I guarantee we would run pick and roll y'all would all day, us. every yeah. day, and and we would just destroy you. Like yeah, I'm right handed, and I, I <laughs> dribble and pass with my left hand all day, every day. And because of some back issues, I'm supposed to be six foot four. So, but I'm only five eleven. And I've got the arm length of a six foot four dude. Okay. No one blocks the shot because they think, you know, just their natural inclination is the ball's going up at this level. Now nah, it's about another seven inches higher or whatever than it's supposed to be. So no, we're definitely losing. I'm not that good. I'm not good. I I'm like, like basketball, but I'm not good. Donovan, you're six you're six feet tall, right? Are you six feet tall? Five, five eleven. Close enough. I'm like I'm hey, like when, barely five eight, bro. Like hey, 
All you got to do with big dudes like Jeff, he's a little he's a little skinnier. We got weight get, though, Josh. Get low, <laughs> get low, and push him out of the bottom. Like get into his legs, push him out. I mean, he hurt his leg earlier this year. We saw him with the leg cast up, all that stuff. So, uh, so yeah, Greg Newsom. What'd you guys think? <laughs> I was about to start talking about Charles Barkley. How I grew up like that's how I modeled my game after because I was like the kind of chubby guy that would get rebounds all the time. I like Dennis Rodman, Charles Barkley. Those are my dudes. But anyway, no, you're good. Hey, happy, happy birthday, basketball talk, man. Happy birthday, Dennis Rodman. By the way, he's sixty today. You I think he's listening? He might, he might be in Vegas this weekend when I go, which would be insane because <laughs> he has a house there. Hey, jump in with it. Uh, but anyway, I want to do this. Yeah, is, that's actually a good like uh, connecting point, though. <laughs> One of the things I've said to people is, and I think Jeff actually said it last night, is I there is a part of me that worries that Baker is Mark Price. Uh, and this Browns team, that oh, Cavs wow. team was ridiculously good with Price and Harper, Larry Nance, Brad Doherty, Craig Elo. Like that team was awesome. But is Pat Mahomes Michael Jordan, right? Is, is Lamar Jackson, Carl Malone, and John Stockton? Like, you know, that, that's just the reality that's of when things, when things happen is if if the Browns were this good, I don't know, 10 years ago, would they have an easier path? And then, again, that goes back to enjoy the freaking ride. Like, enjoy the process, not be as worried about the outcome. But, yes, I'm very worried that Michael Jordan is – Pat Mahomes is Michael Jordan – and my Mark Price and Young Cavs days, like those were those were some tough times to to deal with. Like Mike, man, I hated that bullcrap commercial. <laughs> See, Damn. that that's actually that's actually a very interesting topic because we talk about Baker a lot on the show, obviously. But you know, he's kind of a polarizing prospect. He's kind of a polarizing player because you get people that Donovan and I have a, have a consistent argument where I believe he is entrenched currently as a top ten quarterback in the NFL. I think you can make a solid case that he is the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. Now, I don't uh, not just based off of what you see from his time at Oklahoma and what he's doing currently, even his time at Texas, Texas Tech, his ability to thread the needle his, when his feet are set, when everything is going right, I think is uncanny and it's unparalleled. Okay. Now, I don't know what P, I don't know if there's any PFF stabs I can pull out of the cloud to prove that, but I I seriously believe that Baker Mayfield he that's his best trait is that he is supremely accurate when he needs to be and when everything goes right. So I think the gap between him and a guy like Patrick Mahomes is not as big. I don't I don't think it's so big that it's not that you can't overcome it with additional talent, right? I don't think Baker Mayfield is going to be able to win if he's throwing to guys. I, so Pat, Patrick Mahomes can win another Super Bowl if he if his best receiver is McCole Hardman. Right, and right. I, I, I don't think I, I think that Baker Mayfield could be the same way. I think even if you got rid of Jarvis Landry and OBJ, which I'm not recommending. Last time we said something like this, we got hated on a little bit. No one loves OBJ more than me. But even if you got rid of those guys and you had your best receiver, your number one guy was Rashard Higgins. I think he can still win with that. I think that he's very, very good. Now, is it ideal? No, but I think that he's. I think that he's the guy. I really do. So on what side? So you're on that side, Donovan. Where do where do you fall on this? <laughs> Josh, Josh, Josh always says this argument. I I think Baker's the top ten quarterback. I just you do? Yeah, but the gap is it's no, he's not. That's what the, that's where our argument was. That's where yeah, yeah, he's he's in the bottom. Like, the gap. Nine. Yeah, he there, he's got a. This year is his year, man. He could be an MVP candidate this year, but it could be like these guys are. 
Like Josh Allen is already – he had an MVP season last year. You know what I mean? That's an MVP right. caliber guy. Mahomes already won MVP and Super Bowl MVP. Like, so the, I think there's a gap. I still think he's a top-ten quarterback, though. Uh, I just think I, – you, I loved Baker coming out, dude. Like, you know that. Like, I love Yes, Baker. more than me. But, more than me. He was not my number yeah, one quarterback. Yeah. He was my number four guy. I love Baker, man. That so, year? So much, dude. But he's just not he, – it's, it's okay, dude. It's, it's, his third, it's his fourth year. You know what I mean? It's, a, it's not there yet, but he, he could be. He very well, well could be. Right, that's what I think. That's the, I mean, that's this is where we defer, but it's not I, that I, off. Not I, I that would, you so and that I guess that's my confusion is because he was my number he was my number four quarterback coming in, and I, I can go back in my notes and be you'll see where I, you know accuracy. He's more accurate than Josh Allen, although Allen's a bigger physical freak. He's more accurate than um who was the the, the kid that stuck from you Rosen. Yes, but Rosen he looked very pretty when throwing the ball, and that does count. That does matter, right? Quarterbacks that look smoother are typically smoother. That's just how it is. It wasn't in that instance, but I think there was some off-field stuff going on there, right? And then you know who who there was there was another quarterback in that class. Oh, Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. You know, watching him play at Ohio State, watching him play some of those clutch games against USC. There were times where he put the team on his back. So there wasn't necessarily a trait. It was more or less like kind of a you know it's the same reason why I fell in love with Deshaun Watson. It was like, dude, there was really his best receiver was my side was Dylan Mitchell and he's winning games <laughs> like and, and if you go back and look at a lot of the interceptions he threw at USC because people point to that they weren't his fault I remember specifically the interception he threw to I think it was Denzel Ward in the Rose Bowl was Dylan it would think it was Dylan Mitchell's fault because he did Steven, didn't, Steven he didn't, Mitchell I thank you I I'm a USC fan sorry so there you go yeah, yeah but he didn't he didn't you I'm, could I'm, see. From, I'm from Southern California I'm Jerry by the way that makes sense <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah he's like but we can forgive that stuff we're good then I mean, you guys beat the hell out of us that game. I remember what game we talked about. Yeah, but even being a USC fan, I watch every snap Sam played. I still like Baker more. I watched. I mean, coming out probably, of college, yeah, Baker I, had way more talent coming out of college. Baker had Baker's talent at Oklahoma was the part that was like, mm. dude, we had Josh and uh, Matro Bebe on. He told us how good that USC receiver room was Sam had. Sam had Ronald Jones and Juju Smith. You know, and and like he had a really good team in college. <laughs> like you know, what I mean, so it wasn't like yeah, his, his <laughs> yeah. So he was one of those upside guys where like he's young, so he's going to develop. Like you know, I still just... think he's going to be good too with Carolina. I think that's. I think so too. Yeah. I think well, so how much too. can Adam Gase screw a person up, right? So, <laughs> I don't know. We could look at Ryan Tannehill. I mean, Ryan out Tannehill is the one exception to the rule. I think what's really interesting. So that class. I had Lamar and Rosen at the top, and uh, Allen. Like I would have taken Allen in the second or third round. Really? Um, yeah, wow. I was high. I liked all four of the other quarterbacks. I was I was very high on Lamar, and I've shared this on different podcasts before. Um, sometimes in Indianapolis, people um, drink liquids, share information that they shouldn't, and I have it on very good authority that the Browns would have drafted Lamar Jackson at thirty three after drafting Baker Mayfield at number one. Talk about really a jacked-up flipping team. Uh, yeah, they they would have drafted Lamar Jackson at, at, at 33. I know that for sure. Very, very sure, because I have multiple yeah. conversations with assistant general manager-ish types um, over different days. Um, talk about – I mean, someone was going to get screwed up there. Baker would have lost his job when he got hurt, probably. To well, and, and who would Hugh Jackson would have wanted, right? Remember, Hugh Jackson loved Robert Griffin the third, right? Oh, the ground yeah. moved beneath oh, yeah. him. He liked the, the flexibility of movement and stuff. Mm. So Lamar, but Lamar would have been treated like Deshaun Kaiser, and he would have thrown the ball 40 sometimes, right? So, mm. you know, I just think it's just such an interesting, you know, what could have been. I mean, 
oh no, the Browns wouldn't have had Austin Corbett, but it would have been such drama. Like they could have had a backfield with Baker, Lamar, and Nick Chubb. Like, are you kidding me? How much fun could that have been? Uh, but yeah, we dig. We can digress. I think. I think we are going to have to do a better job in the long term future because we could just talk about football all day, every day, right? <laughs> oh yeah. But I and I, I guess that's where my my Baker confusion came from is that I wasn't as high on him, and now I'm like, oh my god, right. he's, he's so amazing. And people that were high on him are kind of like, eh, maybe that's because of my Cleveland bias. But but we can, we can move on. You know, that's one of those things where it's pretty a pretty decisive, pretty polarizing topic. Um, you know, we're getting to the 46 minute mark, so I, I do want to ask you about this year's class before we right. sign off. Give me your overall thoughts. Who, who you know who who's your favorite prospect? Don't give us the obvious answer. And, you know, who, who's, who's someone that made you raise your eyebrows? And what are, what are your expectations? You know, honestly, like, the, the the excitement is really there. It's palpable. Like, I'm looking. So we get this confirmation bias. Once we have the actual players that are drafted, our brains naturally then go to look at all the highlights. Like, I'm pretty confident I didn't watch a single stat, snap of LeCount before the draft and now i'm like oh look at this dude like he can hit he can do it's ridiculous it's un it's illogical but that's the way we go i look at this draft as a very flexible draft i look at it as as a group of players who can do a lot of different things and probably half of them aren't going to be on the team in three years like that's just (gasps) kind of the way the draft really works and i know that sounds terrible three or four years um they're not going to be second contract guys and that's okay. The Browns need guys who can do a lot of different things that have some versatility. I think Tony Fields is a perfect example. He's one of my favorite picks in this because of his versatility. And listen, if JOK gets hurt, if they need somebody in the slot, they need somebody on special. Like one of the only things Freddie Kitchens ever did well is say special teams is a third of the team. Well, LeCount, Tony Fields, like I like what they've done with the flexibility, assuming all these guys are going to hit. Listen, Demetric Felton fell to where he fell, not just mm-hmm. because he didn't run well. There's other reasons for why he fell there. Uh, but I like the class. It's got speed. It's got versatility. Um, I The same way I like free safeties, well, JOK is kind of a safety, and Tony Fields is kind of a safety, and LeCount is a safety. Like I love guys who can do a lot of things. Like I want a guy who can play safety, come down in linebacker. I want a defensive end that can move inside. You know, I want a cornerback who can jump up into free safety if need to be. Uh, you know, I, I like guys like that. So the versatility and the flexibility is really what stands out to me in this class. Um, and I think they were very purposeful about that to say, listen, when you're looking at depth and when you're looking at the one thing the Browns haven't had ever, and what I think has separated them from the Steelers and the Ravens and, and the Patriots is they haven't had guy number 53 that's been on the team for three years. Yeah. Right. That just knows the system. He's not going to make huge mistakes. He can step in right away. He's not going to blow your socks off, but he can just step in. He's been in the system for a long time, and that's what they're trying to build right now is is all those flexible, versatile guys. So if some of them hit, they can do a couple different things as the 48th, 50th guy on the roster who they hope is around for three or four years, and then let somebody else overpay them like the Browns have overpaid former Steelers, former Ravens, former Patriots for so long. And then they've kind of crapped out in roles that are, you know, number 20 on the roster instead of number 4850. So the versatility is really key for a team that wants to build their roster, their identity for the next three to four years, and then keep churning that as they go. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that too. It's funny to talk about the you know the number 53, 50, 52, 50 to fifty three guys on the roster. Um, back in the day when the Browns were at their worst, you'd see guys that were that level of player, like a guy like Tate Carter. Tate Carter was a very solid football player. That guy, if the Browns, if he was on a good team, he would be on the team for four years, five years, kind of like your Nate Ebner with the Patriots. Nate Ebner's not good. He's not a good football right. player. But the Patriots are good enough to where they can have a guy who's a special team specialist, whatever you want to call him. 53rd on the bench, but the Browns were so bad that even when they had that kind of player, they were constantly trying to get him out, get him in, get him out, get him in, trying to move things around because they're trying to find that X factor. Now that you're now the Browns are drafting for guys where it's like, hey, you know, like Felton. Felton, you talked about it's a good example of Felton. Everybody talks about his 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 pro day. You're right. He did not dominate UCLA. Those those are the facts. The Pac-12 was down. He played in an offense that allowed him to have a lot of space, and he didn't dominate. There's 20 other running backs in, in the college football this past year that would have just smashed in that system, right? But he plays a specific role that the Browns are looking for, right? He has elite hands coming out of the backfield, and he's a very good route runner for a running back slash wide receiver, right? He, he plays that role perfectly. The Browns can take roll the dice on that guy, just like Anthony Schwartz. Yep. I mean, shoot. The wide receiver, I you know, off the, we've been talking about the drafts. It's embarrassing. I forgot his name. But the opposite wide receiver from Anthony Schwartz, Donovan, do you remember the – the wide receiver for Auburn's name? Um, Eli Stowe. Well, Eli Stowe was the third No, receiver. not Eli so Stowe. <laughs> you yeah, talking I'm, about Eli Stowe. I, I like Eli Stowe, man. That's a steal right there. Uh, <laughs> you're talking about uh, Seth. Seth, Seth Williams. Uh, Seth Williams. Seth Williams. He's got a couple inches on him, 10, 15 more pounds on him, and his speed is not quite there, but it's just, you know, it's it's, it's not. He's not slow, right? And right. You're more well-rounded wide receiver. I had Seth Williams higher on my big board than Anthony Schwartz. I have no problem with the Browns taking Schwartz because it's like, okay, well, this this addresses more of of a, this fits that this peg fits that shape. The Browns of five years ago, six years ago, that would be a bad decision because a right. guy like Schwartz, like you know, we, you saw that, you saw that with guys like Carlton Mitchell, guys like Damian Ratley. Uh, you know, Carlton Mitchell is one that really sticks out in my mind because he checked all the same boxes, but they shoved him out there to be that wide receiver one or the wide receiver two, and then they destroy right. their confidence and they're done. Now the Browns can take guys, just like you said with Tony Fields. Tony Fields doesn't have to be your number one linebacker like with Bo Bell when they drafted Bo Bell. If Bo Bell was was drafted and sat the bench, he'd be a very solid player. But instead, he was in that. Sean, Sean Thompson out of Western yeah. Texas, whatever, yeah, was, yeah. was a physical freak, and they were like, "Oh, you're going to be our best defender coming I mean, out of coming out of nowhere, Texas, or I think it was Texas." <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so now the Browns can take those guys and you know have them do their specific role, and then then, then be more successful. So I, I I'm completely with you. There's only there's we we talked about the draft pretty in depth. I try to watch every prospect on my board at least once. Now you want the small school guys, you know there was only there was two guys that my that I was absolutely jumping up and down when they drafted. That was JOK and that was Hudson out of Cincinnati. Although everybody seemed to hate that pick. But everybody else, I was like, man, I, there's somebody else on the board I'd like better, but I can see why they picked, even with Greg Newsom. The guy I like better was Asante Samuel. Well, Greg Newsom's got 15 pounds on with ease. So I can get why you take the more physical, bigger guy right. rather than Samuel, right? Does that make sense? Well, yeah, and and, and again, I love Andrew Barry. That dude's uh, – by the way, his wife is hilarious. I don't know if you guys saw what she, she tweeted out, a screenshot of, hi, Andrew, you tired of sitting around? <laughs> you want to be a Cleveland Brown, like like just making fun of what he said to every single one of the draft picks. 
but I love he called <laughs> Newsom uh, uh, coverage agnostic, whereas he's not forced to play one thing. Uh, you know, he can play man, he can play off man, he can play zone, all of that. I do think this offseason has shown us that they're probably going to play a crap ton of zone. Uh, yeah. I don't love it, but it's a bad sign for Greedy Williams. Uh, but the, I think, you know, bringing over two Rams guys from the top, you know, there are a lot of zone out there. I think it's a pretty big sign that they're going to play a lot of zone. I, there's something, there's a mano a mano kind of thing where I don't love zone. Uh, I'm a, I, I like man a little bit more, but zone gives you the turnovers, right? You're going to get far more turnovers out of zone. And I think Newsom is probably best at zone. I think Troy Hill is. I don't think Ward is, but he could do a little bit of creativity there. But yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Like there are, I mean, there's just a lot, there were a lot of players when the Browns drafted, I'm like at 26, I'm like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. Like you could have taken Bateman. You could have taken Newsom. You could take JOK. You could have taken Samuels. <clears throat> like there were enough players. I'm like, uh, take one of those guys. I don't know. Like they're all really good. Like I had a bet. I had players in mind. I wanted JOK. So, all right, cool. Get him in the second round and let's right. take it up. So, yeah. So was that is that was that your favorite pick then, Jay? Okay, it was because again. So now I get a hitter. I get you know I I always joke. Tell me how we can stop Lamar Jackson. Tell me how we can stop Patrick Mahomes. Tell me how we can stop Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. You got to be fast and you got to be able to hit. Like you have yeah. to have, be able to do those two things. Well, Jay Okay can do those things. Mm-hmm. I don't give a flying rip. To be honest, and I'm gonna this will probably piss off a lot of people down the road. I think every single time there is a running play against the Browns defense, it's a win for the Browns. Every single time except for Lamar Jackson. Every single time someone hands the ball off to a running back against the Cleveland Browns, I believe that is a win for the Cleveland Browns. I don't give a flying rip. There may be an 80-yard touchdown in there this year, but I think every single time they hand the ball off, it is a win for the Browns. I think it sets their offense up well. I think the Browns can do so many different things. I think they have all that speed. So give me a small linebacker that hits like a freaking freight train. I'm good with that. Let's go. Absolutely. Absolutely. What was the uh, biggest pick that you were like, why did they do that? And for me, it was Hudson. It wasn't about him as a player. Where in the Sam Hill are you putting him? Like you have Forbes, you have Hubbard, you have Dunn, you have some guy named Blake, you have (laughs) that really big dude. I just can't think of his name. The really tall guy that was a rookie last year. Um, oh, you just yeah. you just have so many guys behind their front their first five. It's not that Hudson's not good, but where who are you now? You're cutting now. I'm not saying Blake Hans is really good, but I just it just didn't feel like a good value given what they have on the roster. The other thing is I think Bill Callahan they brought him in and are going to probably give him a big raise here soon mm-hmm. because he's going to take Wyatt Teller. By the way, it's why I, I kind of don't think they're going to pay him. He's going to take Wyatt Teller off the scrap heap and make him really good in the zone blocking scheme. The thing we never talk about with the Shanahan offense is we always talk about the running backs that uh, Mike Shanahan made, a thousand yard rushers, but he did the same thing with offensive linemen, right? Like he made an offensive line good. Callahan's doing that as well. So for me, it wasn't Hudson's value, or I'm sorry, it wasn't Hudson's talent. It was just the value and where do you find a position for him uh, given who is already on the roster? See, and, and, and I, I understand that 100%, right? For me, and everybody's board was different than mine. I, I will admit I was higher on Hudson than most, and maybe that's because I'm biased because I watch a lot of Cincinnati football. You know, there's always going to be bi- – no one's perfect, right? So with Hudson, I felt strongly that after him there was a huge drop-off, and he was the sure. last off to tackle on the board that I thought had any future 
starting potential. I don't think I think everybody that was drafted after him has no there's no way in hell that guy can be a starting off tackle. Not not that he, not that they can't or that but that they they couldn't succeed at it. Right? You, you had a lot of right? yeah. you had a lot of Kendall Lambs drafted behind him. Right. I think Hudson has an if factor. I do think that the offensive line I like and you actually you could go back and I wrote an article when the Browns got Wyatt Teller. I gave Wyatt Teller a third round grade coming out of Virginia Tech and said at the time, I think he can be a Pro Bowl caliber player because he body bags people. And I think that was his issue with the Bills, that they were trying to move away from having those guys, those just run road graders put you in the dirt, you know, uh, bury you in the ground kind of uh, lineman. And that kind of, I feel I felt like that analysis was kind of right because the very next year after they got rid of Wyatt Teller, they drafted Cody Ford, who was a much smoother, sleeker, pass specialist, played left tackle at Oklahoma, right. moved him to the interior, quicker feet. Wyatt Teller doesn't do that. He's going to grab you. He's going to put you in the dirt. If he does, you know, that's that's what he does. I mean, he James, can get out and pull, but he's not. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. Yeah, absolutely. He's very he's very good at everything, but if you had to label him as a sport, was the old NFL NFL fever on Xbox? We had there were two types wow. of linemen. It was like the pass blocker, and there was like the road grader. He's he's the road grader type, and I feel like James Hudson kind of fits what this offense is going towards. Uh, you know, he was one. Of, there was only a couple offensive tackles in this in this class, and Donovan will remember me saying this because we kind of had that argument. Donovan does a seven round mock draft every year. We kind of talked about James Hudson and Jackson Carmen and all those guys, and Hudson was one of those guys. When you watched him. He tried to kill you. He was trying to kill the other guy, and I love it. I love it, and I think that the Browns look for that. I mean, shit, he got kicked out of the uh, the Georgia game for trying to do the same thing to Aziz Ojolari. That was his worst game by far, and I still, before he got kicked out, I still don't think he allowed a sack. Right, it's hard to remember, but you know, I I felt I felt like that's why they made a priority to get him, despite his pro day numbers and yada yada yada. Well, the other thing is, is, and unfortunately, Browns fans and media are not used to this. At some point, they have to be official with their finances. They have an out in Conklin's uh, contract after this Mm -hmm. year that could make an easy cut. Not easy cut. Obviously, Conklin played very well. But if they need to financially, they have an out in Conklin's contract. So that's where Hudson does make sense if you see him as a possible starter at right tackle next year and you're paying you know, a, a cheap rookie contract so that you can keep this person, that person. I think the other good thing about this offseason is the Browns didn't have to restructure anybody, right? They So no. instead of pushing that money back, next year they can do some restructures. You know, they have all that flexibility so that we all assume, right, most of us assume Jarvis and OBJ were getting restructured, and neither of them they had to. So, But I do think, you know, contract plays a role uh, just for me. And, again, where would – I guess that's the same question. Unless it's another quarterback, where would they have put them anyways, right? Wide receiver yeah. rooms full – with with Felton and Ernest Johnson, the running back room is full. So you're, I mean, in the end, offensive line is expensive. I think that's the one thing you're going to see from this um, front office. They're going to draft play positions that are expensive in free agency, and then they'll pay in free agency for positions that are cheaper. So safety is cheaper than corner outside cornerback. Slot corner is is cheaper, right? They're gonna. I think they're going to start to pay. They'll be willing to pay for some of those cheaper free agents, and they're going to draft a lot of outside corners, left tackle, right tackle, wide receiver. Anybody that's going to get paid in free agency, they're going to try to spend as many of their draft picks on those kind of guys. That makes sense. That's a very eloquent way of putting that because we've had people on the podcast talk about it, but they've not, they haven't been able to put it. And it's always like, uh, for instance, who we had someone on the show a couple weeks ago. Those go weekly deep tackle in free agency all the time, and but but the way you said it, it kind of encapsulates 
all of that. And it, 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 it does make a lot of sense. I am by no means a cap expert. Donovan, are you, would you, would you fancy yourself a cap expert? No. So <laughs> 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 we, we probably struggle with that portion of the not show. Not expert. I mean, I'm not expert. Well, but it's here's big, the thing. It's a big word. <laughs> if, you, if you spent time having to understand the freaking NBA salary cap where you're like, okay, trader, pl- traded player exception, oh my God. aprons. Like I had to do that for so long, especially with the Cavs who were always spending every dollar they could and in trading for players. The NFL is pretty simple. Like every once in a while, I'm like, okay, where does that money go if they're traded? That's the one where I get a little lost. But everything else, I'm like, whatever. They're negative $8 million for next year. They roll over $20 million. They restructure these three deals, and they're at $30 million again or whatever it could be. Uh, so the NBA sets you up because try to understand the NBA, and it's you're hard. literally like, yeah. carry the $1 million. What the freak are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, super, that's, that's, ma- that's super max point. deal. <laughs> super max. You can only have two. Pl- you can only have one player on your team that's uh, on the five-year deal. So you, when you're negotiating with Colin Sexton, you got to get him on the four-year deal because if you draft Cade Cunningham, you need that five-year deal available for him. Yeah, the NBA makes the NFL salary cap look like your one plus one is equal to. It does, and then you got international players that are still. Like San Antonio's got guys in contract in Lithuania. <laughs> They're like 36 years old and they get traded because their contract or, yeah. Uh, Jose yeah, Calderon's still under contract playing for like Real Madrid. <laughs> it's crazy. That yeah. shit is wild. Well, before we wrap this up, I want to ask you one more thing. I know that you're you, obviously you're an Ohio State fan with the Buckeye shirt. Let's go ahead and talk about next year's draft. What's the prospect or who's someone that you're watching that you think would be cool for the Browns next year? And feel free to name a Buckeye if you'd like. Oh, absolutely. Listen, I will be pounding the table for Chris Olave. Oh. I think he is absolutely that dude. I think he's got a little bit of OBJ in him. He's not that dynamic. I don't know who is really that dynamic. I love Chris Olave. I think they – I'm not the get Jarvis Landry off the field guy. I'm not the same. I, I like both Jarvis and OBJ. I love Olave, and if that means they have to move up to 15 or in that area to get him next year – I'm totally going to be on board with that. They were looking at possibly moving up this year into the 20s or so, uh, or in the or even into the teens. I know they may have had an agreement already with a certain team. Uh, so I know they're willing to be aggressive. Chris Olave is a guy that I think would be very, very good in this Browns offense. That's interesting because my number, we talked about this a couple weeks ago on the show as well. My number one guy was Garrett Wilson. Yeah, you like that. I mean, he's the freak. Like, I yeah. think Olave is – so I've started to be value floor. Some people value ceiling. Some people value – I think I, I've become this value floor with high upside. Um, Garrett Wilson is the the freak. I think mm-hmm. Olave is the certain. Like, he is going to be really, really good. And for the Browns, I think sometimes they're going to go in different directions. Anthony Schwartz, you know, he's that high ceiling speed guy. I just love that. I think Olave is going to put up a thousand yards every year. And worst case scenario, he's you know he's a Juju Smith Schuster type, but I think he's even very much better Way than faster. that. Yeah, I think he's Allen Robinson ish. Um, Allen Robinson's always going to be a comparison guy for me. Uh, that's why I like Rashad Bateman a little bit. There's differences there. I love Olave. I do think you're right. Garrett Wilson is is the the home run guy. Um, I'm just not sure if he's going to be a little more boomer bust. Than Olave. Do you think this wide this Ohio State wide receiver core is the best wide receiver core in Ohio State history? Or are there, you know, you got you there's some big competition. You got Ginn, 
with Gonzalez and uh, you know Roy Hall. You got you got David Boston, Dean Miller, and uh, Reggie Germany and Kenny Ramos. I mean, a lot you can there. go back to San Antonio Holmes. I mean, there's there's a lot. I love the Gin Gonzalez, uh, Troy Smith year. I actually have and Roy Hall. Roy Hall, don't disrespect Roy Hall. I've got Ted Ginn and Anthony Gonzalez signed back here, so uh, they're 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 probably going to get it because they're in. I mean, I have them in my room, so um, I think it could be really interesting. You know, obviously, quarterback is going to decide a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, talk about a guy, Troy Smith, a guy who, if he was in the league, if he came into the league five years ago, three years ago, man, I think that dude would have been electric. I say, I really? think the same thing about Charlie Ward. I think if Braxton Miller didn't hurt his arm, he would have been pretty good. Um, and I think again, I yeah. Like I think Troy Smith, he was a very. I thought he was a very good passer. I was younger in my evaluation back then. I thought he was a very good passer. Um, he wasn't, you know, accurate, accurate or whatever. But um, you know, it's one of those things where you look back, and you're like, like think of Randall Cunningham in this era where you can't barely touch a quarterback. My goodness, he that dude yes, would have. I would agree know, with that. Know, yeah, you know, See, he would have lit it up. The Troy Smith is interesting. I try to go back. I try to watch. You know, I actually did a recent article for Buckeyes Wire where I, I talked about the top ten highest drafted quarterbacks, and Troy Smith is on the list. And people were asking me, "Hey, when you know when did he get drafted?" Because it surprises people that there were ten quarterbacks in Ohio State history that were drafted higher than the Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, right. But you know, when you go back and you watch Troy Smith, God, man, there was so much talent around him. I mean, it was it's hard. It was it's you could you could have made a solid argument that Ted Ginn should have won the Heisman that year. Based off of how well, he was. Well, they lost the national championship game because those idiots celebrated in the end zone, right? Uh-huh. Like, I mean, that's yeah, it. Yeah, like, for sure. like it. I feel like the end zone celebration needs to be added to the rain delay, the drive, the fumble, the decision, you know, all that bullcrap. That end zone celebration, like I've never felt that in my stomach before that early in a game where I was like, well, we're done. Wait, they just scored a touchdown. Yeah, we're done. Like, <laughs> Shit, for real, yeah. I mean, like, I've followed too many Cleveland teams all my life. We're done. Like it is, we're we're winning. Uh, we're done, dude. Ted Ginn was just such. He was just such a freak. He was just he was. such an explosive freak. It was, and Anthony Gonzalez was great too. That's how good Ted Ginn was. That Anthony Gonzalez was a first round wide receiver and was at all American level talent in college. And we're still sitting here going, "Oh my god, Ted Ginn! Oh my god, Ted Ginn!" That's how good Ted Ginn was. But they, I, I like this conversation. I want to. Next time you're on the show, we're gonna <laughs> dive, we're gonna dive more into the Troy Smith the Troy Smith era there. Yeah, let's yeah. hey, let's we'll pull up some film. We'll have we'll, we'll show some plays. We'll oh yeah, yeah, we'll get real fancy. Like I learned from my boy Jake Burns. Like we can, <laughs> we, can we can get that film room bad boy going. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll dig out the uh, the Troy Smith Montreal Alouettes film, and we'll try to figure out what what was stopping him. In the <laughs> we'll try to figure out what happened in the CFL. It was the loony and the toony in his pocket because that's they don't have ones and twos. I, actually, I think I think he got hurt. I think he got hurt up there. <laughs> Once he got hurt up there, he had the, the Stanley. I think Stanley Jackson. Same thing happened to Stanley Jackson when he was up there too. But all right, uh, I will go ahead and end this because uh, we've already hit the hour mark. <laughs> this was the Browns Wire podcast. Donovan, where can they follow you? What do you got going on? Yeah, follow me on Twitter. Follow me <laughs> at Twitter on that, or at Don James Sports. The name remains the same. Um, I I'm just taking like a little breather right now man honestly like football's kind of over like <laughs> right now Dude, it's never league, over bro the spring league just started man well i got i got high school football stuff i gotta do so you know me i don't Dude, really I follow figured. i don't follow those i mean i follow <sighs> it because of you but i'm a high school i figured football. you'd be all over it bro i, I figured I'm a, you'd be all over all those former four star four uh, five star recruits i gotta look at the future man that's the past those guys didn't make it i gotta look at the- 
Ouch, dude. <laughs> I gotta look at the Ouch. future. He's, so he's like, you're 23. Sorry, get about it. Like, I ain't got time for you. Yeah, you're old. Time. You old up in here. I don't got time. I gotta look at the. No, it's cool because I mean, like, we, you know, West Coast just kind of had their football season, so it's. Uh, I gotta watch, you know, Quinn Ewers throw at, at Elite Eleven. Hopefully, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to Elite Eleven this year because uh, I'm I'm vaccinated though, so I can go. You have, to have your, you have to have your card to, to go to Lee 11 this year, your vaccination. Is that card, right? So. Yeah, so uh, hopefully I'll be there, but we'll see. Uh, I'm going to meet with Ryan Wright, actually, out in California, uh, in Santa Monica, who does Recruiting News Guru, and we're going to chop it up and see what we can cook up in the kitchen, man. So just look out for that. And, uh, yeah, always Browns Wire, you know. Absolutely. Um, always this, you know, lovely podcast I do with you. Absolutely. And as a reminder, we typically live stream on Sunday and uh, the MP3 arrives on Monday, but because Donovan is going on vacation, we had to move it up for him. So dramatic. Boss, what do you got going on? Where can they follow you at? And uh, what we got on deck since you're the new uh, captain? Yeah, so at Jared K. Mueller, um, J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-E-R. Listen, we're going to we're going to see what this is going to look like. Uh, you know, I've been doing this for so long with so many different teams. And so, you know, the first thing that I'm going to do is try to figure out what, what my guys need, right? Like, what do they want? What do they want to do? And then I'm going to figure out if there's some people from my past that might want to join in a little bit uh, because I want to bring the best of the best here. And to be honest, been doing this for 12 years now, uh, I've been blessed with some really good people. Like I have people that are like, Hey, you want some help? You want to do this? Like, um, but first I'm going to figure out what my guys want, what you guys want to do, how we can meet your guys' goal. Uh, and then I have some big shoes to fill. Like Jeff, um, Jeff can write a 300 word article in about six seconds. Yeah. Uh, and I've watched it happen and it's ridiculous and it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to get rolling. Thankfully we're at kind of that transition time. Uh, you know, we've got mini camps coming up. We've got all that stuff going, uh, but we're going to get rolling. And I think uh, you'll see, obviously you're going to see some different things. Jeff and I are different people. We think a lot alike. Uh, which is why it's probably bad to ever have us on the same podcast. Like last night, we're like, no, seriously. Like last night, it was like, yep, yep. Like uh, what Jeff said, what Jared said. So it's weird. We do think a lot alike. Grew up in the literally the same county. Both worked at Cedar Point. Um, you know, just all we have so many you know interesting stories there. Uh, but there's going to be some differences. Uh, I like things that I like running a series of things. I like uh, I like people knowing what to expect a little bit. Uh, I really like people to know what they're coming for. So, uh, you know, Keatley's Wednesday, whatever the hell. Uh, like, I like things like that that allow people to kind of get excited for things. But honestly, because it normally it brings excitement for us, right? Like, if if I know I'm writing this kind of article regularly, like, I can start to get pumped about it. I can, I can start to own it, right? Like, that's really when the best writing comes is when people are like, man, this is how I do things. This is my deal. Like, so that's for me, like, I think the I think readers love it when they see real people like and they see what Josh likes, they see what Donovan likes, they see what what Max Mac likes and what Kyle likes, and you know just they can start to feel your personalities come out and all that stuff. So like I want to tap into that. Like I want people to be like, man, that Josh guy. And then when someone's like, hey, I got three million dollars, I want to throw at somebody. Like Josh and Donovan have this podcast. Y'all need to hire them to do your thing. Like that's all. I that's what I want. Because reality is, is this will never be my full-time job. I'm a therapist. I've uh, been a therapist for 19 years. Uh, it doesn't seem like it when you guys hear me in sports world. I'm a different guy. Uh, so for me, it's always like if I can get as many people hired that work with me, I'm good to go. Like I want people getting their paper like all day, every day. 
or I want them getting recognition. I want them eating dinners. I want them doing whatever. I want people at the draft. I was, you know, credentialed this year. I was at the draft. I want oh, people cool. getting all their all everything they want. I want people getting that. And if I can help with that, I'm gonna help with that. That's that's what listen, you can see I get a little excited about this. Like people are my passion up in here. This is why, you know, <laughs> I, I just is like I am so passionate about people being happy and, and being challenged and all that that I'm gonna I'm but I'm gonna push. I'm gonna keep it pushing. Well, we, we appreciate that. We're excited to have you. I'm sure that you're going to help. You know, this was, this was a blast. I hope that we can have you on the podcast more. Hope, hopefully you can help us take this thing to the next level. Um, you know, again, give us a like, listen, review, subscribe to us on YouTube, do all that good stuff, the thumbs up. Uh, let us know what you want to hear. If you have any questions for the next week's show, comment, all that good stuff. This was Josh Keatley. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh Keatley 16. You can also see my work at the Buckeyes Wire, and I'm going to try to pump it out more, pump out some more stuff for Browns Wire as well. Uh, is there anything else anybody wanted to add before we end this? Hey, we need a Donovan story from Vegas. I'm just saying. Like, we got we to gotta get a story. And if you want to reach out to my dude, uh, Browns Mock Draft or I forget, Daily Mock Draft, whatever Steven's Is he in is. Vegas? Uh, well, he's he's played Vegas forever. Like he is a you know he's a stand up comedian for for real. So if you want to know like what's the inside scoop in Vegas, where's that one place you got to go that's not going to break the pocketbook? Get a hold of him. Steven will take care of you. That's my dude. Uh, he'll let you know where's a you know just that like hidden gem. So okay. but we need a Donovan story. Like I want to be able to be like, <laughs> all right, twenty minutes, Donovan, go. It's, I mean, I'm going <laughs> with my girlfriend, dude. It's not going to be that wild, but. I mean, it is. I, lo- I love that. I love that. That's how. That's what you said. I'm with my girlfriend, so it's gonna be boring. No, I didn't say that. I'm just. I don't know what kind of story you're expecting. Like some crazy. <laughs> bachelor just, party. Hey, I don't. No, I'm just saying. No, like, it's gonna. It's gonna be wild. Yeah, man, listen or hey, make one up. I don't. Nah, I got. I got make I got. one up. <laughs> we'll, we'll make memories happen. So there you go. There we go. We gonna make. I got. I gotta get some rest first, though. So. All right, man. Feel good. All right. All right, this was the Proud Wire Podcast, and we are out. All right, awesome.